Sponsored by Just Eat. Woo! Tap into Ireland's leading food ordering app. Just Eat. Find your flavour. On McDermott on 2FM. With Transport for Ireland. Plan your journey door to door with our free TFI Journey Planner app. Now, what an exciting prospect. This man has been an enigma for the last little while, but he's back on the scene. He's blazing the trail. Um, he's only sold seven million albums and had two of them be number one. He's back with a brand new album. It's called You're Stronger Than You Know. It's James Morrison, like actual <laughs> real life James Morrison. Hello. An enigma. I don't know about that. <laughs> you haven't been uh, no, I've a, been a very visible presence. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, now, first things first, you only got two hours sleep last night. So you're yeah. arriving to us in a disheveled state. Little, Is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of the best dishevelled state I can be in, to be fair. Uh, yeah, it was just a long day at the uh, TV studio with uh, various different singers and stuff. A lot, you know, the Fre- it's French. Like the French Jules Holland, you were saying? They take ages to do anything. Well, like, they're all just striking about everything. They're just like, you know, we get there, don't worry, we do it in a minute. <laughs> Chill That's very out. good. Yeah, it's like the Italians. They're like, don't worry, we get round to it. What other accents can you do? I can do a Borat. Yeah, the mesh. Very I can nice. do the Dublin accent like that, you know what I mean? Deadly. James Morrison, that's very impressive. That's all right, isn't it? I can do it. It's only because my tour manager was Irish and he, he's from Dublin, so I, I lived with him for like 10 years. and I, I got his lingo down. like. But you move seamlessly through four there. I, I can do a Scottish accent too. You don't mind. <laughs> I just want to figure it out. Let's just keep going. Let's blitz them through until you do a really bad one, until you embarrass yourself. Uh, my guitar player's from Northern Ireland. Oh, no, okay, now you go. Great. Now he's, you go. He's great. Right, Cause, go on. Because yeah, he, he's got quite a strong Northern Irish accent there. And then and when he sneezes, he goes, a chew. He sounded more like Jimmy Nesbitt. That's very good. <laughs> this is impressive. Look, I tell you what, if the second incarnation of the music doesn't work out, you could be the voiceover guy for X Factor <laughs> yeah, or something right. like that, whatever you need to Day be. Day 52 in the Big Brother house. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Now, accents aside, yeah. let's take it back because I feel like before you went on a self-imposed hiatus, you were like this ubiquitous, you were <laughs> the Ed Sheeran before Ed Sheeran was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> With brown hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't Yeah, have... well, I don't know, I mean, I was young, you know, and I was thrust into uh, the limelight really quickly from being like, I was just a little quiet lad from rugby cleaning vans one minute. And then I was on top of the pops the next. So it was a big jump. And then I was thrust into the sort of, you know, just keep the train moving, keep putting songs out. And What was your breakthrough song? Was You Give Me Something? Was you that the breakthrough? Yeah. yeah. And then the Broker Strings was sort of even more poppy than that. So I just got sort of sidetracked by the record company pushing me to do sort of more poppier stuff. And then... Oh, that's to suggest you didn't like that stuff? Well, I was young, you know, so I was, I was sort of inconfident in my own abilities, you know. So if someone was saying, oh, you should do this, then I'd listen to them because I just didn't trust myself so much. Whereas... Now I I fully trust myself. I kind of feel like I'm coming into my own now. Now now I'm I'm 34 now. I've had two kids, and it just sort of sorts your head out. But in terms of the the success of the music you were yeah. doing, it didn't compensate at the time for the fact you didn't maybe particularly love the music itself. Well, I didn't. It's not that I didn't love it. It's just that I prefer music that I'm making now. You know, uh, I just didn't have the experience to sort of get what I wanted you know and I had to sort of go around the houses trying different productions different sort of styles to sort of figure out what it is that I do well and then I had a st- I did a night with a Stax lot 
for the BBC proms, you know, like Booker T from Booker T and the MGs, Steve Cropper did all the stack stuff with Otis and just proper musicians who've been around for years. Yeah. And I did try a little tenderness with them. And it was after that I thought, yeah, I need to get back into singing soul music, not pop music. It's slight. It's slight. I mean, pop music to me is just music that you remember the melody, you know. Well, but I suppose like anything that charts is pop music. I yeah, kind of feel like the popular, definition of it? pop music is just malleable. It's quite broad, isn't it? Like like jazz music, soul music yeah. can be pop music if it's brought yeah, to the exactly. fore. It's just popular music. But... but but also, I suppose like is there maybe the type of music you were making, but also the fact that now you're a little bit longer in the tooth you've had some life experience <laughs> behind you but i guess yeah, you can invest better. more of your life in what you're singing yeah, about and i think those those years i had away from the music industry really allowed me to just sort of come back to myself and root myself in the ground and just sort of forget about all the nonsense that sort of comes with being in the spotlight and and i just i lived at home i you know i did normal stuff nothing nothing showbiz for like four years other than that stacks thing you know, I was writing songs, quietly working away, writing songs. I got dropped by the label, and then I put out... Why? Just because I wasn't successful enough for them. Yeah, which was fair enough. I didn't sell that many albums. and and, it, and they, You, you sold know. 7 million. How many do you need to sell? Yeah, well, that was before that. It's a bit more cutthroat these days, and I think they didn't really know what to do with me because I'm more sort of old-school singer. But it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Well, can we do a throwback song? Of the early years, and then we'll talk about the difference between that music what, like and a, this music. Any, yeah, like a single or an yeah, a single. I have a wonderful world, or you give me. I don't mind. Oh, wonderful choose. world, I love. All right, put that one on. Let's then. do this. We're here with James Morrison. We're we're looking back now before we look forward. This is wonderful world. Here we go. Two, two, two FM. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, was Mr. James Morrison. That was wonderful world. So when you got. When you got dropped by the label, in yeah. spite of all the millions you've sold and you've topped the charts and number one albums and you're world famous and all that, does that shake your sense of self or did you find it weirdly liberating? Both. The first few weeks I was devastated. Um, I think it's just because it was, you know, I've come from nothing. I had nothing when I was growing up. We were so poor and, you know, I was surrounded just by negative stuff. So the fact that I come through that and I got given this opportunity to be a musician, which is what I've always wanted to do. I was always playing pubs and open mic bars. And my nightmare was to not have that opportunity to do that. And in the beginning, if I'd have been dropped, it would have felt like my whole world had ended. But because I've been going through so much personal stuff with my with my missus and the kids and having another baby, it made all the music stuff just not really that scary anymore. Um, just a dose of life perspective it's, yeah exactly it's just like you know music's my hobby so I don't know why I was I just got I, it gave me an opportunity to look at it from a different angle and see it for what it is kind of a personal question but had you made enough money at that stage that it didn't matter like you were set for life or at um, least for the I'm next not, 10 I mean, years no I'm not I'm not set for life I was brought up on a council estate so I'm doing alright I got a BMW car for God's sake that's, that's quite that's, <laughs> that, that's me feeling like I'm rich yeah like when I was 21 I bought myself a second hand Toyota Corolla and I thought I was living the dream I was like <laughs> it's second hand and you were at the time <laughs> yeah. yeah and it still smelled new and I thought yeah I'm doing alright so you know I, I used to I used to bring my brother-in-law around you know we, we were poor when I was a kid so when, and we used to just have like cheap cornflakes and stuff if there, if we did any, have any breakfast so when my brother-in-law come around to show off that I was doing well I said look in my cereal cupboard I said I've got two boxes of Wheatos mate <laughs> so yeah to, and a you nice know, smelling I, car I think I like to keep myself you know in check in terms of 
uh, reality and not getting above myself in terms of what to expect from life. You know, I, I can still go. Do people into, recognize you now, or have you been away long enough? It's that... a bit of both. You know, sometimes people follow me around going, Chris. Chris, because I think I'm you Chris look Martin. like Chris yeah, Martin. You I do. do. Yeah, I know, you yeah. do look like that. He, I do look like him, to be fair. I seen him at this event. I said, "Hey, it's my big brother," and he just looked at me like, "What are you on about?" And I was like, "Oh, forget it." <laughs> oh no. But um, yeah, I just I get recognised quite a lot, but equally I can go under the radar, and people just go, "Do I know you from work? Have we been to a works do together?" I'm like, "Nah." Yeah, I'm a, a multi. I like keeping them guessing. It's, it's more fun. Okay, so let's do my love goes on. Yeah. With El Joss Stone. I know. She's... she's been a bit anonymous as well. The two of you yeah. are co-conspiring to bring yourself <laughs> back to the top. Well, I just like the idea of singing with someone that sings, um, you know, she's known for soul. She's she's a British, uh, proper old school British singer. And and she's she's amazing. She's such a lovely person to work with. It's refreshing in this day and age when a lot of people are, are really annoying and up their own backside what was she but in she, the news for recently something quite peculiar she's been traveling all over the world doing gigs in syria she was in syria in north korea did you talk to her about that have you talked to her yeah since? i said to her you're absolutely she's inspiring to me that that she's got that much you know um gusto to be able to just go into any country she's been traveling literally every country in the world like crazy countries like antarctica she did a gig with penguins at the side of her stage and that <laughs> for who so, for just people that are there you know she's just doing a world tour um yeah and i just think you know I, i'm i'm really pleased uh and grateful that she came on board and sang the song and really excited to be able to put her back out there put her back on the map again in terms of you know a great voice a great british soul voice okay well let's do this i'm excited to hear it this is my love goes on uh, with Joss Stone and Mr. James Morrison who joins us in the studio and we're back after this. This is 2FM. That right there, my love goes on. James Morrison and Joss Stone. Congratulations. Thank you. Back in the saddle. Yeah. And by the way, James is live in the Olympia Theatre on the 4th of April, which is fast approaching. So if you want to get up close and personal, I'll say it'll be a while again before you'll see him in a, lay, in a, a venue this intimate. So get on board. Now this, I suppose this is a weird a weird space for you to inhabit because I've seen it written about your time away from the spotlight and there was a lot of personal tragedy that you had to deal with and now people know that and it's public fodder yeah that's alright though it's life isn't it I'm the sort of artist that doesn't really shy away from reality you know when I was going through it I wouldn't have talked about it if it helps other people and it helps inspire other people to get through stuff that's difficult then that's why I'll talk about it just if people don't know so James lost your your dad your brother and your nephew yeah within like three years or something yeah my dad was the toughest one um you know and my, and my brother you know yeah that was really sad I mean, and the same with my nephew like, I hadn't really seen my nephew for a long time you know he, I, I grew up with him like when I was real little and then I seen him when he was 90 he was quite a naughty little lad and uh yeah yeah I don't I can't I don't really want to get into it because of other family members getting sure. upset but um yeah it was sad and you know and, we, and I tried to have another uh baby we lost two in succession so that was pretty tough and then we had a really difficult pregnancy. So all the music stuff just literally got put on the back burner. And while while all that was going on, I was still kind of writing little bits and, and trying to sort of keep the music flowing. And I suppose over those four years, I, co- I just collected a load of songs that I'd written over that time. 
and then uh, when I signed to the new label, they were just like, look, let's crack on and make an album and we'll put it out ourselves. And that's what we did. And, and that's why it feels really exciting because I haven't had like a big corporate record label. It's, the record label's made out of people that I've known for years. So yeah. it just felt like a little homegrown project that we put out ourselves. And, you know, we made the album from next to nothing. And we did it in a week, so it was really quick recording. And I think the album sounds really good because of that. Because there's no, there's no farting about. There's no, there's like, there's no. It's no feel, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of that kind of tripod of tragedy mm. that you had to endure, did you use this album for like a big cathartic release oh, yeah, of stuff? Yeah, Yeah, but equally, you know, if you didn't know any of that stuff. It's just a collection of songs that, you know, they have emotion in them, but it's not so obvious. I was trying to just like subtly paint a picture of what's gone on. It's not, it's actually a, a really positive sounding album more than anything. I don't want people to think it's me moaning on about a load of stuff I've been going through. It's more like, yeah, I've been through some stuff, but I've come through it. And I think that's why I, I really love this album. It's a soul album, it was recorded live. Um, it's emotional, but it's strong. And yeah, I don't know. It's just everything I've wanted to make for a long time. Yeah, okay. Uh, you're an incredibly open book. It's been great yeah. fun. I appreciate your honesty. No Thank worries. you very much. Pleasure. The new album is You're Stronger Than You Know. A little bit of context into where that title came from, of course. And if you want to see James live, he's back in the Olympia Theatre on the 4th of April. Ticketmaster.ie. I'll be there. I'll throw my knickers at you. <laughs> I'll, you're call you. Clean. I'll call you Chris Martin. <laughs> James, it's been a pleasure. Thanks Thank a you. Lot. Nice one. Do it. This is 2FM.